0: Grab your Bibles and turn with me I know it's been a couple of weeks so Let's go back to Matthew's gospel It's good to have the Dillanders with us this morning Yeah we love you We're going to keep some more of your family Y'all might as well just go ahead and move south We're going to keep all of them Until you just might as well go ahead and join us No pressure on that or anything That wasn't from God That was just me talking Although Michael might think otherwise I'm not real sure I was in Indiana this week, and uh, I was glad I got to come back to Georgia. I love Indiana, love my family there, but it's good to come home. Grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 10. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about an awakening and talking to you about God raising up individuals, and, and I'm still convinced God is in the business of raising up people like you and I to do his service. I'm convinced that God still wants to use people like you and I. And that even though sometimes we feel like we're way too ordinary, he still vested a great amount of his kingdom in us to represent it. And uh, somehow we've got to get past all these limitations. And I'd like to tell you I had a well-orchestrated sermon for you today, and that wouldn't be true. Because the reality is, as I, as I pondered this morning and thought about this morning, it kind of took some, some off-ramps, which is not surprising, is it? And uh, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and and take an off-ramp here in just a couple moments. Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says in verse number 1, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So when the New Testament church started, it started with 12 people who had vested authority. Is that right? 12 ordinary men, fishermen and laborers and Men who were uh, accustomed to their culture and their land, but were not accustomed to the kingdom and how the kingdom of God operated. And yet Jesus called them, and we spent about two weeks talking about how he personally called them and how he called them out of the course of their everyday life and aligned them up with his kingdom, said, here, I want you to follow me. He said, I don't want you to be fishers anymore. I want you to be fishermen of men. And he aligned them and gave them authority and sent them on a wonderful journey. Now look at verse number 5. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, into the city of Samaria, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Now look and, listen. Freely you have received. Freely you've received. Now you are required to do what? Release. Release. What you have received, you are required to release. He said, freely you have received, freely give. Now I found that so interesting because if we're ever going to have an awakening in America, somebody is going to have to start releasing what has been deposited in them. Because how can the kingdom of God be preached if you are silent? How can the kingdom of God be demonstrated in power and authority if you're not moving? How can the kingdom of God be validated if there's no faith being released by you and I? If we are not releasing what we believe in, there will be no manifestation of God because there has to be something activated before God ever moves. It's not that God can't move. He selected you and I to be the representatives and the ambassadors of the movement. So it's important for us to have an awakening. But we cannot have an awakening without a revelation that we have. I spent two or three weeks talking to you about revelation, have I not? What kind of a revelation? A revelation that enlightens to you your role in the earth. Look over at your neighbor and say you're valuable. Look over to your other. See, some of you don't even do that. You can't even follow instructions. Rebellion. Okay, I got that. I got your attention. Look over a again and say, you're valuable. I'm watching. Look over to your other neighbor and say, you're valuable. You know how uncomfortable that just made people? Do you realize how uncomfortable I just made you? Because you had to look at somebody and tell them you're valuable. You know why? Because the enemy has so lied to us, caused us to feel like we're unworthy and unwanted. The reason the kingdom of God does not have a solid representation is because you and I don't feel the value of what is in us. Somehow we have to have a revelation that eradicates the limitations that have been put upon us by culture and the kingdom of darkness. Somewhere we have to realize our value in the earth cannot be diminished just because I had a bad day. You and I have had some bad days. I've got to be quite honest with you and I'll, I'll testify for myself. And here's my confession. I've preached the gospel and stood in the pulpit over 3,000 times. Over the last 23 and a half, 24 years, i preached the gospel, and I'm going to be honest with you, there's most of the time, 99.9% of the time, I never felt worthy. I know that oozes a lot of confidence for this morning's message. I'd like to tell you I've got it all together. I'd like to tell you I've got it well scripted. I'd like to tell you I've got it real planned out and real methodically laid out. And I've spent 15 hours in the last, uh, last day planning this message. But that's not true. And the reality is I stand before you much like you're sitting there questioning how valuable I really am to the kingdom of God. Because most of us, like me included, don't feel all that valuable. Because we have struggles, weaknesses, failures. Okay, it's going to get real quiet right here. See, we we, we look at these scriptures and we read through them. We go, yeah, that's wonderful for the disciples, but I'm no disciple. We can read through those scriptures and go, yeah, but I didn't walk in the shadow of Jesus. I didn't hear his voice, and I'm getting it second-handed, and I'm having a hard time believing I've got value to deposit in a culture that right now is reeking and reeling under the havoc of dominion by powers of, of darkness. I don't see how I can make a difference. And so I looked at these scriptures much like you, and I feel challenged. How can I possibly be all that God wants me to be? Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians. Here's the off-ramp that the Lord allowed me to take this morning, so you're going with me. Is that all right? Come on, say it's all right, because we're going with you or without you. Colossians chapter 1. Here's where we go. Colossians chapter 1, because I can't adequately represent the kingdom of God if I'm walking around feeling like I'm of no value. If I feel unworthy, I will not properly represent the kingdom of God. So if you walked in this room, you say, well, I feel unworthy and I feel unusable. I have too many weaknesses and too many failures. Welcome to the club. So when I'm helpless, I, I'm never going to measure up. Welcome! This is the fellowship of those who will never measure up. Colossians chapter 1. You there? I'm telling you, I really believe the Spirit of God said that hey, we need to go this way. Because if you're in this room and you say, you know what, Pastor, my spiritual life is inconsistent, this is going to help you. If you feel like maybe you're not an overcomer, this is going to help you. If you're battling temptations, you're in the right place this morning. Hello. Verse number 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul said, we're praying that you have a revelation. Of what? Of his wisdom and understanding. That you may do what? Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed unto us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He has given us something here, ladies and gentlemen, we need to see. Look at the latter part of this verse. 14. 13 running into 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins you know why most of us don't feel valuable and worthy to represent the kingdom of God because Satan lies to us and tells us we're not good enough because of our failures and because of our weaknesses and because of our ill-advised decisions and because of the things that we did that we know about ourselves now I know nobody in here is going to write your sins on the wall no one's going to confess them openly, nor should you have to. But that limiting thought and the powers of Satan that begins to work on our mind causes us to not want to praise. Causes us not want to lift our hands. Causes us to walk in here and struggle through a service. I understand those powers that are working against us, don't you? Come on, let can we be real for a few minutes? Let's pretend that we're not in church. And let's be real. How many had struggles this week? How many felt weak this week? How many questioned whether God was working in your behalf this week? Oh, now, isn't this interesting? How many felt like the enemy was accusing you because of your past and said you have no value value today even to be a, an usher or a greeter or a parking lot attendant or work in security? Or maybe you come up here and you played an instrument and you said, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not, I'm not worthy to even lift it. How many came in here carrying a Bible said, I don't even live up to it? And you're sitting here and you're going, but pastor, you're trying to tell me God wants to use me. Yes, he's going to use you in spite of what limits you. He's going to use us in spite of our limitations, in spite of the accusations of our enemy. Because I have found this to be true, and you probably have too. He's always accusing me of something. Come on, talk to me. He's always accusing me of something. I mean, he reminds me of things i forgot. Every time I begin to get my prayer life lined up, he reminds me of some sins and transgressions. Every time I start getting my garment of praise on and getting free in worship, then he wants to remind me of how foolish I look to others. I grab my Bible and I come in here and I'm supposed to stand behind God's sacred desk and deliver the the, the oracles of Scripture and the reality is some days I don't feel worthy. In fact, all days I don't feel worthy. Because I'm just not good enough. And some days the enemy tells me God's angry at me. That I'm not good enough for his kingdom. And that somehow I'm disqualified. You know what I've learned? And this may be a simple revelation, but it took me a little while to learn it. The only reason Satan is lying, bringing those lies to me and accusing me is because he wants me to get my eyes off my Savior. The only reason he's telling me I'm not worthy is because there really is worth. The very fact that he's going to spend enough time trying to remind you of your past is because he's trying to get your eye off your future. The very fact he's spending enough time trying to tell you you're not good enough to play an instrument must mean you've already been qualified to be anointed to play an instrument like David did and run demonic spirits out. Apparently, the very fact that he is accusing you is because he's threatened by you. Threatened by the potential of the glory and the anointing of God that will transcend who you are. The Bible said, he, as Paul wrote it, says, I pray you get a revelation so that you will be able to give thanks to the Father that you've been qualified to be a partaker. That's interesting, isn't it? To be qualified to be a partaker. I'm qualified to be a partaker of an inheritance. Not by my works. Not by my deeds. Not by my religious pedigree. Not because I go to church, but because I believe that Jesus Christ was crucified and He bled and died for the sins of humanity. Do you understand? You and I are qualified to be partakers in the inheritance because of what Jesus did. that's the case is there any behavior you can have that would be good enough to enter into heaven you can keep all the rules attend church faithfully never get angry never be tempted which is impossible but in your mind have the illusion that everything in you is good and still go to hell Because heaven can't be gained by your behavior. Heaven can't be gained by your behavior. Legalism and religious pedigrees are wonderful to an extent, but you take the cross out of the church, you might as well go ahead and take the church out. Because the power that makes us partakers of the inheritance is Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm unworthy except when I've been to the cross. I'm unwanted except I've been to the cross. I don't feel good enough, but I've been to the cross. And the cross is a great equalizer of your failure. It's a great equalizer of your transgression. And the reality is, if you've been to the cross, you've seen the sacrifice. And the sacrifice said, I bled and died. Not to make you valuable, but because you were already valuable. What is the revelation we need to get? There's never going to be an awakening in America until you and I get free from the limitations of the accusations of our enemy. This says we're not good enough. No wonder the church sets in dysfunction. No wonder we're silent. No no wonder we're quiet and and living the the patterns and the rudiments of the world. Because we're not confident in who saved us. He's got some big plans for y'all. I could ever get you to believe that y'all would start living large I mean living large Faith that says there's nothing too hard for my God A lifestyle that says I'm the head and not the tail I'm above and not beneath A lifestyle that says I am triumphant I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb And my testimony is validation I believe it Your life has to represent the kingdom And that's such an awesome opportunity Back to Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to finish up some thoughts right here. Is that okay? How many needed to hear the fact that that right there, Colossians 1? How many need to hear that? Because I wasn't going to Colossians 1 today, but I felt like it really strong in my spirit that we need to go there to remind you that you are who you are by the grace of God and that you're an inheritant of the nature and the benefits of the kingdom of God. Back to Matthew chapter 10. Here's where I need to finish up some thoughts. Because I'm not going to be a part of a disillusioned church, are you? I'm not going to be a part of the church that doesn't know why it's on the earth. I'm not going to go to church and not know why I'm here. I am not going to live by default. I'm going to live by design. I'm going to live with purpose and intention. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be loud while I'm here. Come on, listen to it. I'm not going to live life and be quiet. I've been brought out of darkness into marvelous light so I have a voice. Somebody said, well, what about your past? It's under the blood. What about your failures? It's under the blood. What about your attitude and your temper? It's under the blood. What happens when I fall down? I get up. Well, what about you? What about this? What? Hey, Satan, shut up. My purpose is greater than my past. And the fact is, I'm not looking for cheap grace, but I'm looking for an assurance that He's got some big plans for me, regardless of my failures. Oh glory! You know how many times I felt like I wasn't worthy enough to do it, just like you? you know how many times we felt like, oh, I'm not even going to go to church today? Oh, apparently, y'all don't ever have those problems. Dina's the only one nodding in the whole building, and she was doing that for Michael. How many didn't feel like coming today? Be honest. Okay. There's Some of you got a lying problem, I'm telling you. Because there was about seven hands that went up, and the rest of you were looking around going, Isn't it interesting how the adversary works against us? To keep us from being representatives of the kingdom of God. Now you may think, well what's the point of us coming to church? Well it's an opportunity for you to have a revelation. What is a revelation? An understanding and enlightenment of the purpose and the plan of God. A revelation gives you the opportunity to see what you've never seen. And break limitations off of your life. It's interesting to me that, that the purpose of revelation is not to substantiate for me. The limitations, it's to remove Limitations. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus calls his 12 disciples and he says to them, I am going to give you the kingdom. I'm going to give you the authority. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to ask you to emulate the kingdom as I've taught you. And the Bible says he gives them a direct command and a direct commission. And he says, now I need you to be an initiator and launch out. Here's my thought. Why is the church not moving? I'm not talking about the institution of the church. I'm talking about you, the church. Because you can't make the church corporate unless you make it individual. Understanding we're gathering here today and we're corporate. But we're not really good corporately unless we're strong individually. the value of five stones, not the fact that we can pack a building with individuals. It's about us coming together as strong kingdom representations individually and unifying corporately. And so my thing is this, and I don't know if i got the words to to, to even adequately express where my heart is. If we don't move, we die. If we don't leave... The shadows of the church will never do what He commissioned us to do.
1: Jesus says
0: to His disciples, and He sends them out and said, here's what I want you to do. Go preach the kingdom of God. Go preach the kingdom of heaven. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead and send hell a notice, you're in charge. Is that not the mandate of us as well as it was the 12 disciples? Has the mandate changed in any form or fashion? Has there been an idiom in the Bible that says now the 21st century church is not supposed to preach the kingdom of God? You would think so by some of the sermons that are preached in America's pulpit. You would think that we're no longer required to preach the gospel because of some of the foolish gospel that we have propagated from the pulpit and we propagated all over the news. Our foolishness of gospel. Somewhere did the rules change? I said, Pastor, this is way too serious. Can we not have a little more joyful, joyful message? I don't want him to be disappointed in the fact that I went to church for 40 years and had not a convert. I don't want to go to church for 40 years and never lay my hands on the sick and see them recover. I don't want to go to church for 40 years and be a member of an organization that I didn't represent well outside the four walls. Somewhere we've got to shift the mentality of the church from gathering to going. Somewhere we've got to shift it from just gathering, and that's all we do and we call that church, to where we go and represent the kingdom of God. How many you understand what I'm talking about? I love our gatherings. I love us together. It's a great time for us to, to receive impartation and the anointing and the move of God and to receive revelation and inspiration and, and the things that we need. But we've got to somehow become kingdom-minded for our culture. The kids go back to school in two weeks. The peer pressures off the roof, off the charge, the pressures to conform. Our teenagers make choices every Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night. Moms and dads, we make choices every single day of our life whether we're going to live kingdom valued or with culture values. How many feel the struggles? Can can I be real with you? I feel struggles It's almost as if Hell realizes If we're going to silence the gospel This is the season Because I'm just going to be straight with you It seems like The homosexuals are louder than the church Seems as if me The liberal media And the liberals of America Are louder than the conservatives We're in the corner And we're afraid to come out fighting The church has become nothing more than the gathering of the the seeker for the satisfaction of the flesh. I can't ease your conscience. I can't preach you into bliss. But I can point you to an old rugged cross that still has the power to change the values of your life. And it will still give you hope for tomorrow. So if you want me to preach some secular humanistic garbage, I'm not your man. I come to represent the kingdom and his righteousness. And in my frail attempt, all I can point you to is one worthy to follow. His name is Jesus. There's nobody else. Who else can we follow? Who else can you have hope in except Jesus? Your 401k, how'd that work out for you? Oh, but I'm vested, Pastor. I'm close to retirement. You're not supposed to retire. Does you understand where I'm coming from this morning or do you just think I'm mad? Because sometimes it's hard to understand the difference between the two. You're like, Pastor, what are you mad about? I'm mad because it seems like darkness is winning and we don't care. So excuse me for being a little passionate when it seems like our children are losing values because we won't stand up. Excuse me if I'm a little passionate if the church seems to be weak-kneed and jelly back when it should be fortified in faith that says nothing against me prospers. Excuse me for being a little fired up when cancer seems to be eating through bodies and we don't do anything, don't even lay hands on and pray. 85 pound aunt. I met her this week while I was in Indiana. At best, she's 85 pounds. Shriveled up and stooped over and ate up with cancer. Guess you just let them die. I don't know. You hear me? How I many got some situations like that? What are you gonna do? You're gonna fight or you're gonna lay down? The kingdom has been vested to you for you to represent it, but what happens is we never represent it because there's so many other circumstantial things going on. I can't afford to let circumstantial things stand in the way of representing kingdom. So it is cancer, it's subject to a greater authority. So they're dealing with mental illness. It's subject to a greater authority. So it's a financial situation. It's subject to a greater authority. Somewhere we've got to represent kingdom. Somewhere we've got to stand up and be resolute. Somewhere we've got to be willing to pillow our head on something and defy our enemy and say, you shall not win. Somewhere we've got to be the voice that won't shut up. Do you agree with me? Somewhere we've got to be the church that says, I'm not moving. That's what the Bible said. I would rather die believing for something than to live believing for nothing. Don't come showing up in my room when I'm sick. I'm not planning on getting it, but if I happen to have it, don't come in there and go, oh, poor pastor. I'll throw a bedpan at your head. Bless your heart. You lived a good life. I'm not dead. Listen, walk in the kingdom. Not in the circumstances of life. There's a lot of days you don't feel like coming to church. Come anyway. Some days you don't have it all together. Praise Him anyhow. It's the only way you can identify. I'm coming out of where I am, and I'm not staying down. I'm arising to a new level of revelation. I'm gonna be a part of a remnant, one way or another. I'm gonna be a part of an awakening. How about you? I'm gonna be a part of awakening. Feel free to participate or I'm coming down there. I want to be a part of an awakening in America. I want them to know that what we believe in is not some pie in the sky hope system. I want them to know that Jesus Christ was not a religious figure like Mohammed. He is the Son of God. The God who created everything when there was nothing. Nothing. I realize there are tremendously intellectual and scientists, and there's a lot of formulas, but I've not seen one of them create dirt. You say, well, Pastor, they're cloning. Yeah, but they're going to have to steal the formula from God, and God started with dirt, and I don't see them starting with dirt. I I see them starting with DNA that they couldn't get. They're starting with DNA that they didn't have to start with. They had to steal it from God. Excuse me while I represent the kingdom in a world that's trying to deny my God. Excuse me for being outspoken when my government's trying to tell me that I should be more complicit to the culture and the sins of the earth. And I should... I'm going to have a fit. I'm going to have it all by myself, but it'll be okay. You don't feel that pressure? Understand, ladies and gentlemen, the enemy's playing for keeps. He's trying to nullify the authority in the earth, being the church, which is you. You say, Well, it's just me. Yeah, but if you lay down and the neighbor next to you lays down. And that whole row lays down. And the row behind you lays down. And the row back there lays down and stops representing. And the church down the street goes toward a secular humanistic gospel. And then the big church downtown starts going into this seeker-friendly type of mentality. And before you know it, there's no light. The candlestick is no longer burning. Darkness prevails. These 12 disciples assumed a role. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to assume the same role. That we must represent, we have been called to represent the kingdom of God. Regardless of how unworthy you feel. Regardless of how limited you feel. Regardless of what other people think of you. Oh, help me Lord. So, Pastor, I I just, people don't like me. Circumstantial. But the enemy said, circumstantial. But my body and my physical, ca- circumstantial. R.F. Wilson, Marsh's grandfather, preached the gospel for 40-some years. I probably would not be in ministry had I not been able to sit at his feet and allow him to cover me in prayer before I began ministry. And one of the things I remember coming out of that little cabin down at the Church of God campground was these things. He said, do it while you're young. He said, because the call will never go away, son. But your body will no longer be able to facilitate a calling. I'm not getting any younger, but I'm sure enough not about ready to lay down now. <laughs> I'm beginning to be stirred that if we don't step up, we're going to lose what God has given us and what our forefathers have given us. There are some greater people than you and I that paid a price for us to have this, what we got today. You'll, you'll hear me. There are greater people than you and I paid a price for you and I to have what we have today, the freedom to come in and gather in this warehouse, lift up the mighty name of Jesus, to worship Him in song, to hear the gospel. Wouldn't it be a shame if we don't do anything with it? Don't you, can I get you to feel that stirring in my spirit? Wouldn't it be a shame for you to take your gifts and put them on a shelf? Your calling and put it on a shelf. Go, well, I'm waiting for perfect conditions. You can't wait on perfect conditions. I hear him saying, now. Can you not hear that in your spirit? Can you hear the Holy Ghost going, now? And then you're arguing with yourself. I can feel you. You're going, well, yeah, but I'm unworthy. He's saying, now. But I'm unwanted. I, I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not educated enough. Now. Now. You say, well, I don't even know how to get started. Run to the cross. Isn't that a wonderful place to go? To realign you and refocus you and reframe you and say, Lord, thank you for the cross. I know I failed you in a lot of ways, but I run back to the cross and I repent. Now I'm going to keep living and serving because I'm called. Every one of you in this room is called. You're called to go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come, that they might be saved. You have one objective, and that's to preach the kingdom. Whether in, in, in tangible language or in lifestyle, you've got to preach the kingdom. I want you to stand with me. There's no way I'm done, but I've got to stop for just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot be apologetic. Grab your Bibles and turn with me. I know it's been a couple weeks. Let's go back to Matthew's gospel. It's good to have the Dillanders with us this morning. Yeah, we love you. We're going to keep some more of your family. Y'all might as well just go ahead and move south. We're going to keep all of them until you just might as well go ahead and join us. No pressure on that or anything. That wasn't from God. That was just me talking. Although Michael might think otherwise. I'm not real sure. I was in Indiana this week, and uh, I was glad I got to come back to Georgia. I love Indiana. love my family there, but it's good to come home. Grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 10. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about an awakening and talking to you about God raising up individuals, and, and I'm still convinced God is in the business of raising up people like you and I to do his service. I'm convinced that God still wants to use people like you and I. And that even though sometimes we feel like we're way too ordinary, he still vested a great amount of his kingdom in us to represent it. And uh, somehow we've got to get past all these limitations. And I'd like to tell you I had a well-orchestrated sermon for you today, and that wouldn't be true. Because the reality is, as I I pondered this morning and thought about this morning, it kind of took some some off-ramps, which is not surprising, is it? And uh, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and and take an off-ramp here in just a couple moments. Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says in verse number 1, And when He had called His twelve disciples to Him, He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So when the New Testament church started, it started with twelve people who had vested authority. Is that right? Twelve ordinary men, fishermen and laborers and Men who were uh, accustomed to their culture and their land, but were not accustomed to the kingdom and how the kingdom of God operated. And yet Jesus called them. And we spent about two weeks talking about how he personally called them and how he called them out of the course of their everyday life and aligned them up with his kingdom said, Here, I want you to follow me. He said, I don't want you to be fishers anymore. I want you to be fishermen of men. And he aligned them and gave them authority and sent them on a wonderful journey. Now look at verse number 5. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, into the city of Samaria, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Now look listen. Freely you have received. Freely you've received. Now you are required to do what? Release. Release. What you have received, you are required to release. He said, freely you have received, freely give. Now I found that so interesting because if we're ever going to have an awakening in America, somebody is going to have to start releasing what has been deposited in them. Because how can the kingdom of God be preached if you are silent? How can the kingdom of God be demonstrated in power and authority if you're not moving? How can the kingdom of God be validated if there's no faith being released by you and I? If we are not releasing what we believe in, there will be no manifestation of God. Because there has to be something activated before God ever moves. It's Not that God can't move, He selected you and I to be the representatives and the ambassadors of the movement. So it's important for us to have an awakening, but we cannot have an awakening without a revelation that we have. I spent two or three weeks talking to you about revelation, have I not? What kind of a revelation? A revelation that enlightens to you your role in the Earth? Look over at your neighbor and say, you're valuable. Look over to your other. See, some of you don't even do that. You can't even follow instructions. Rebellion. Okay, I got that I got your attention. Look over them at again and say you're valuable. I'm watching. Look over to your other neighbor and say you're valuable. You know how uncomfortable that just made people. Do you realize how uncomfortable I just made you? Because you had to look at somebody and tell them you're valuable. You know why? Because the enemy has so lied to us, caused us to feel like we're unworthy and unwanted. The reason the kingdom of God does not have a solid representation is because you and I don't feel the value of what is in us. Somehow we have to have a revelation that eradicates the limitations that have been put upon us by culture and the kingdom of darkness. Somewhere we have to realize our value in the earth cannot be diminished just because I had a bad day. You and I have had some bad days. I've got to be quite honest with you and I'll, I'll testify for myself. And here's my confession. I've preached the gospel and stood in the pulpit over 3,000 times. Over the last 23 and a half, 24 years, i preached the gospel, and I'm going to be honest with you, there's most of the time, 99.9% of the time, I never felt worthy. I know that ooze a lot of confidence for this morning's message. I'd like to tell you I've got it all.